to the Injured List Podcast, your source for all sports injury topics. For the weekend warrior to the sports fantasy guru, we keep you in the action and out of the injured list. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List Podcast, Brian Scott. Everybody, welcome to another edition of the Injured List podcast. I'm your host Brian Scott, and thank you once again for joining us. Well, it would appear that 2020 is not yet willing to let go. Some weird sports injuries have recently occurred, amongst many other cultural, social, and political things going on right now, which continue to perplex us in the world. Even two weeks into the new year, just when you thought things could not get any crazier. In this episode, I want to talk about one of the craziest sports injuries I have ever seen on video. It comes to us from a basketball YouTuber by the name of Tristan Jass. He has amassed quite a following on YouTube with videos of pickup games, one-on-one competitions, and has even shot segments with some famous celebrities. Which brings us to our topic for today. On his video posted on January 11th, 2021, this year, We see Tristan with two famous celebrity comedians playing in an innocent dunk contest on a lowered rim. Each player took turns attempting dunks at a set height, then the rim was raised. When the rim was at 9 foot 3, this happened, as described by Tristan Jass himself. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another YouTube video. Today we have something wow. As you guys know, we have something very insane today. You guys should do a dunk contest thing where, you know, you lower the rim to seven feet. Okay, you both can dunk on it. All right, now let's go to eight. Now you guys try to dunk on it. Okay, you can dunk on eight feet, so then let's go to nine. So I literally witnessed the craziest injury I've ever seen with my own eyes in my entire life. So here we go. Now, before we play this clip, I need to let everybody know that this was very bad. Like, if you have a problem with seeing somebody getting hurt, you should probably click off of this video because trust me, it's it's pretty it's pretty insane. I've never seen anything like this. Tom's like, all right, nine, three, you know, all right, we're going to go try to dunk this thing. I remember just standing back watching. And Tom goes, one, two. I'm like, oh, he's about to dunk it. Boom. The whole world literally flipped upside down in Tom's leg gives out and then he's flying in the air it was like all like it happened so fast but it was also like slow motion at the same time like boom he goes up boom his leg gives out then his arm just 
That sound clip was the audio description of comedian Tom Segura suffering one of the worst injuries I have ever heard of or seen on such an innocent-looking dunk attempt during a basketball pickup game. The video is definitely not for the squeamish, nor is it is the soundbite for that matter that I'm about to describe. If you listen closely when we played that clip, and if you listen closely when I replay it, a portion of it, you'll hear a series of loud noises that sound as if Tom is hitting the floor. Well, yes and no. The first sound you'll hear is the sound of his patellar tendon rupturing, followed closely by the second sound, which is his humerus bone fracturing. Yep, that's what I said. Now listen to the clip and listen to what I hear and see if you hear it too. Okay, I'll play it one more time for you to hear and then that's it. I want you to clue in on those two instances that I described of the injuries occurring and listen for the, the noises. All right, I have to admit, his response to these injuries has been awesome. He's handled it much better than most any patient or athlete I have ever dealt with before with much less injuries nonetheless. I guess being in the profession of comedy, it helps a lot. I want to play in another sound clip, and this is of his description of the injury because he does a great job in telling it and turning what for some of us would be very devastating to a great story that I'm sure he'll share and laugh about for many years to come throughout his comedy shows. His injuries, though significant, are not life-threatening, and he should make a full recovery. We're having a dunk competition, which is silly enough in itself. I won before I injured myself. Like, it was just to, like, keep going. So this is what the winner looks like. Like, I won our competition. <laughs> There's a moment when I first dunked. Roy goes, hey, man, you got that, you got that Larry Johnson going. And I opened my bag, and I had a Larry Johnson jersey in there because I was going to wear it during the dunk competition. Here's what I remember vividly that like kind of freaks me out when I remember it. They raise it up, and I don't know if, I, if I'm going to be able to do it, right? And Roy pulls me aside. <laughs> and he goes, you're going to have to dig deep on this one. He goes, you're going to have to reach for that inner Larry Johnson. And I felt an adrenaline rush. I should have almost like calmed down before I, I tried. I've heard lifters talk about it too. You know, if they go like, you get too hyped, for a big lift, they're like, you can get too, too hyped up. So I remember being hyped up. And I was like, I'm just gonna jump and see what happens. <laughs> so that was a, an awesome description of the, some pretty devastating injuries there. Now, uh, Tom was giving that interview while he was sitting in a gym doing some of his rehab exercises while wearing a knee immobilizer on his leg and wearing a special wrist brace that I noticed um, on his left hand and wrist, which usually is something you see in um, people who have this injury and develop what's called a radial nerve palsy, where, or, or another term is called a wrist drop, which is where the nerves that control the wrist have been injured to some degree, which causes the muscles to not work as efficiently. And this is usually seen with like a distal humerus 
type fracture. And in another portion of the video clip, he does show a picture of his x-rays of the injury and the surgery that he had. And that's exactly what it was. So definitely a major traumatic injury from just going up for a basketball dunk. Now, hopefully for him, that's just a transient nerve injury and it poses no long-term problem. Right now, he is uh, in the midst of his rehab pretty early on, in fact. Um, he's walking with a walker that has a special platform on it so that he can rest his arm on and uh, through the elbow, which puts stress more on the shoulder joint and not the humerus itself. And so he is able to walk uh, with that assisted device. And as he, as he recovers with his knee, he'll be able to eventually walk without that. So now there's a lot to unpack here with regards to the injuries. And I can go on for quite a while talking about the nuances and the details of each of these injuries, the surgeries that were required for them and the subsequent recovery. But we just don't have the kind of time here. So if you want to know more, check out my webpage, drop me a question, check out some of my previous episodes of the podcast, or listen to Devil's Advocate Sports Talk live on Facebook every Tuesday at 8 p.m., with my good buddy and host, Abe Delgado. Now, we'll be right back after this to talk about the one injury from this past week that you all want to know about, Patrick Mahomes. Hey, this is Sean Colas with the Perkentile and Creamery. We are the premier coffee, ice cream, and dessert bar in the Charlotte metro area. We're thrilling people with our amazing interior design, our incredible customer service, and the quality of our offerings. We have a beautifully designed 1920s mercantile-themed monochromatic throwback where people feel excited by their surroundings and blown away by their treats. We're great for business meetings, families, couples, and you. Ask about our room rentals for meetings, events, or parties. We're nestled next to the Concord Mills Mall behind Verizon and in the same building as McAllister's in Concord, North Carolina. Hey, if you're in the area and you're listening to this right now, Get in your car, drive over to the Perkentile, mention that you heard us on Brian Scott's amazing Injury List Podcast 2020 and receive 25% off your purchase. Hey guys, are you looking to avoid injury when it comes to your finances? Talk to a professional who can help. Whether you are looking to get your financial house in order or simply looking for that second opinion, visit TrustTreeFinancial.com and schedule your free virtual consultation. Once again, that's TrustTreeFinancial.com. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Let's get into probably the most important injury of the past week, and that is the concussion to Patrick Mahomes. If you listened to me do my weekly injury update last night, then you got a little snippet of what we're going to talk about here. So to review, Patrick Mahomes did sustain a concussion. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. First of all, you do not need to be lying down on the field unconscious to be concussed, nor do you have to be hit with a helmet-to-helmet -helmet contact. All it takes is enough force to the head to cause the brain to shift ever so slightly within the skull, and the brain can sense this as trauma. Now, what was interesting about Mahomes' concussion was the manner in which it occurred. It was a clean hit. Let's get that straight right away. He did not get hit with a helmet-to-helmet -helmet 
he actually had a sudden deceleration type of injury at the moment that his head whipped downward and his face mask contacted the ground. If you carefully watch the replay, it was at that moment that the ball came loose in his hands and he went into what is called a fencing posture with basically one arm flexed and the other extended. Now, this is a primitive type of reflex that harkens back to our developmental stages early in life. It's a protective mechanism that is triggered by the brain. His injury is related to the sudden deceleration that occurred at the moment of impact with his face mask on the ground. This caused at least a moderate degree of concussion. What followed in the aftermath when he tried to stand up was momentary disorientation, lack of coordination, and from the look on his face and judging by his teammates' reaction, some sense of amnesia or some degree of amnesia. Now, these are all hallmark indications of a concussion. There does not have to be loss of consciousness to the degree that he's laid out on the ground asleep. There can be an instantaneous, albeit brief, loss loss of consciousness that is almost naked to the eye. My guess is he did have this, as this is almost always the case with these types of concussions. Sometimes we hear athletes refer to it as getting their bell rung. Now, concussion protocols have changed much over the last 15 years since I was a practicing athletic trainer. Each NFL team now has athletic trainers on the sidelines, one in the booth watching for injuries live on the field and using video replay to find and evaluate injuries that occurred on the field of play, a team physician or physicians that are on the sideline, and an unaffiliated neurological consultant who is there specifically to address concussion injuries. There is a very specific set of game day and sideline criteria and exams that must be carried out and documented in order to safely allow the player to return to play. If they cannot meet that, then they are automatically deemed out of competition at that moment. In some cases, the players are taken back to the locker room for further examination. So once Mahomes went to the locker room, it was very unlikely that he was going to return, especially after watching him get up from that hit. Now, since the game, he's been going through the NFL concussion protocol. This is composed of five phases that he has evaluated and must be symptom-free before being cleared to return to full participation. Now, phase one is what's called symptom-limited activity. The player is prescribed rest, limiting, or if necessary, avoiding activities such that are physical and or cognitive, which may increase or aggravate the symptoms. With supervision, stretching and balance training can be introduced and progressed to light aerobic exercise as the athlete can tolerate. Phase two is when they introduce aerobic exercise with supervision and the player can begin graduated cardiovascular exercise size that may engage in dynamic stretching, some more balance training, as well as neurocognitive and balance testing that can be administered after completion of the phase two. And those results should then be compared to baseline results that are usually taken preseason. Now, I want to mention that there are a lot of professional and even collegiate institutions are now conducting preseason baseline neurocognitive testing to establish baseline concussion tests in order to more accurately determine if athletes have regained their baseline neurocognitive status prior to clearance from concussion. They do this in a, in a variety of ways using standardized, standardized physical tests 
cognitive tests, and in some cases, computer-designed testing software to measure quantitative data and establish individual baselines. Now, in phase three, they start introducing more football-specific exercise. The player continues with supervised cardiovascular exercises that are increased and may mimic sport-specific activities. Their supervised strength training is introduced. The players are allowed to practice with the team in sport-specific exercise for no more than 30 minutes or less with ongoing supervision. In phase four, club-based non-contact training drills continued strength training, balance training, cardiovascular exercise, along with the team-based sport-specific exercises are incorporated. Participation in non-contact football activities such as throwing, catching, running, and other position-specific activities are allowed. Neurocognitive and balance testing should be completed no later than the end of phase four, with results again interpreted as back to baseline. Finally, phase five, which is full return to football activity and clearance. Now, upon clearance by the club physician for full football activity involving contact, the player must also be examined by an independent neurological consultant assigned by the NFL to their respective organizations. If this consultant concurs with the team physician and the player's concussion has been deemed resolved, the player is cleared to play the next practice or game with no restrictions. Now, there are no set timetables for these phases. It is very variable and highly individual based on each athlete's injury, whether or not they've had, had prior concussions or if this is their first, and how quickly or slowly they move through each phase. Some athletes progress very quickly through all the phases. Some do not while others may linger or struggle to get through from one phase to another. This week's decision to play Patrick Mahomes may truly come down to a game-time decision. For those of you who have listened to my previous podcast, you may remember I did a special on the NFL Combine. Well, if you did not, in that episode, I discussed the history of the Combine and how it was originally set up as a way for teams to get medical information and exams on prospective draft picks. I also spoke of how it has evolved into a very collaborative medical conference for the many medical specialists involved with the NFL organizations. As a result, many of the policies and procedures regarding standardization of the NFL concussion and return to participation protocols are developed and tweaked at the NFL Combine every year. Now the NFL protocol is way more comprehensive and elaborate when compared to other levels of competition and competitive athletics. However, the objective remains the same, safely returning the athlete to play when concussion has completely resolved, thus minimizing the risk of repetitive brain trauma and thus long-term brain injury. All of these phases I described were lifted right off of the NFL concussion protocol website, which you can find online. Well, there you have it, folks. A lot of the things happening behind the scenes this week leading up to the AFC championship game. If I know my good friends in Buffalo, New York, who are all Bills fans, there would probably rather win the AFC championship having beat the Kansas City Chiefs with Mahomes under center rather than him being out. So we'll see how this all plays out. If there is one bet I'm willing to take, it's that the Las Vegas and the bookies out there are scrambling right now to try and come up with spreads ahead of this weekend's matchup. Now stick around to listen to my segment on Devil's Advocate Nation. If you missed it last night, we'll be back after this. Welcome to everybody to Devil's Advocate Sports Talk. Thanks for joining us. I see everybody out there. Please, if you're watching right now, share this show, share the video, go to the page, follow, like the page. If you want a t-shirt, let me know. Thank you out. Thank you for the jersey. 
ask me why I'm wearing a, a Panthers jersey and a New York Giants hat, right? It's because I won the bet. Fantastic. Love it. Plus, I'm coming to North Carolina, and I'm bringing this jersey with me. So we're coming, people. We're coming. All right, we're going to get to our first guest of the night. He has his own podcast that he does called The Injured List, and a lot of people cannot wait to talk to you, my friend, this week. Brian Scott, what's up, Brian? Hey, how's everybody doing? We're good, man. How are you doing? Uh, it's, I've been better, but we're doing good. Okay. <laughs> Had a little technical difficulty there at the beginning. Technical okay. difficulties, please. I'm, I know more than anybody how that goes. But, uh, Brian, talk to me. Everybody uh, wants to know. First of all, let's start from the beginning here. You saw the hit. You watched the game. It was not an illegal hit. Let's agree on that. That was not an illegal hit. No, actually, very good hit. Nothing wrong with that hit at all. There's nothing wrong with that hit. Brought him to the ground. The question is, was it or was it not a concussion? People are telling me that it wasn't a concussion, that it was some kind of nerve thing. Expert analysis, what do you think? Oh, it's 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 100% without a doubt a concussion. That's exactly what it is. Um, you don't have to necessarily lose consciousness to have a concussion. And if you watch the replay very closely of the hit, the actual moment that his head and face mask impacted the ground is what caused this um, concussion to occur. It wasn't from a helmet-to-helmet contact. It wasn't from any other part of the body that hit his head. In fact, there was very little contact on his head at all, except until when he hit the ground. And at that point, there was a sudden uh, deceleration moment where his head, as it kind of snapped down, as his body kind of fell to the ground, um, his head and face mask hit the turf, and he had a sudden deceleration. And that is often a way that the brain can get concussed because the brain sits in a in fluid, basically, within the, 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 the skull. And uh, if the brain shifts within that fluid, that's all it takes. And it doesn't have to be much to cause the concussion. And what you saw with him getting up and having that stumbling appearance, and if you watch very closely on the replay, you also notice that he loses control of the ball in one hand as his arm flexes and his other arm extends into this weird kind yeah, of Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask. That's what everybody was kind of looking at his arm, right? He clinched his fist and he couldn't move his arm yeah. too well, went to the ground, and then when he got up, his legs weren't working. Like right. literally his feet he couldn't couldn't get yeah, up. And those are all classic so, classic indications of uh, a response from a concussed state. So what his arms were doing is what's called a fencing response, which is very typical of people who get concussed. And usually it takes at least a moderate amount of trauma to cause that to occur. So we know at the very least he had some moderate level of concussion. Now, whether or not he's had this before, I don't know. How much this is going to affect him moving forward, I don't know. But he's definitely, without a doubt, in the concussion protocol. And the reason I know that is because, number one, he didn't come back on the field. So he was either he either did suffer some type of momentary loss of consciousness. He may have been slight. He definitely was confused when you watch him stood up. His, he didn't know where oh, he was. Yeah. He didn't know what was going on. His teammates were had to hold him up, and he was looking with the his look, like, It was the look there. in his <laughs> eyes, right? It's, yeah, he was looking like his lineman's right in his face looking at him. He was, like, looking yeah, through him. Had, he, you know, yeah. he couldn't even couldn't focus. Yeah. So that, to me... I really don't believe it's a nerve thing. I mean, I'm not a doctor. We're all not doctors. So, you know, you're in the medical field. So your your expert opinion would say definitely a concussion. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Like, there's just okay. no doubt about it. And um, all right. 
so now the big question going forward, and I don't want to get into too much detail because I do talk about it in more detail in my episode that I'm releasing uh, tomorrow, um, is that there's a, the NFL has a lot of uh, strict procedures in place now to deal with head injuries and concussions in particular, you know, dating back to all the stuff that's been happening over the last few years. So there is a very strict protocol that they, the medical team must follow. Um, it is actually monitored by an independent, unaffiliated uh, neurological uh, consultant who is there at the game and who also has to follow up with these athletes for post-concussion protocol follow-up. So it's not like they can kind of pull a fast one, so to speak, and slide these guys back into the game anymore. That Those days are over. Um, no matter how much uh, Mahomes tries to fake it or tries to tell everybody he's okay, they're going to make him do certain types of tests to get him back on the field. And if he couldn't make it out um, of the locker room back onto the field at the game, then there's he's definitely in the in the concussion protocol, and that consists of five steps. And in order to get back on the field and play, he must be able to get through those five steps symptom free. What becomes the issue is how quickly he can make it through those steps leading up to game time. All right, so it's a concussion, right? Let's go forward with that. It's a concussion. Is there a possibility, though, that he can play? Like, yes. if he passes these, the majority of these tests, he can play, though, yes. right? Uh, what? There was some, um, I guess, confusion. That, like, if you're concussed and it's confirmed a, a concussion, that you're pretty much ruled out the next game. That's not the case. That's. I don't want to say that that's automatic because it, it never is. Each concussion has to be taken independently. Everybody reacts to these types of trauma on their own level, to their own degree. And it depends on the severity of the concussion. It depends, again, whether they've had a history of concussions before or not. If it's his first time, or it's just a multiple uh, type of injury that he's sustained. So all that kind of factors in. They, I can tell you that being an elite athlete definitely helps get you back on the field sooner because he'll have access to all the medical team you know, 24-7, basically. And I'm sure that they monitor him very closely the first 48 hours or so. They've probably already run him through a battery of cognitive uh, neurological tests uh, over the last few days. Now they've probably even started to doing some of the cardiovascular uh, things that they need to do to, in order to test his cardiovascular response and his physical fitness abilities uh, to see whether or not he's still symptomatic. And eventually, once they get him back into football activities, if, he, if he's able to do all that and get through it without a problem, he'll be able to play. The question is, how quickly he can make it through those steps. And again, that's very independent of each athlete based on the injury, based on the history, like you said. So it, it's really going to be kind of a day-to-day -day thing. So you can't re can never really rule somebody out right off the bat for one week. Now, I can guarantee you, though, if this was the regular season, there's probably no doubt that um, uh, he probably would be sidelined and not uh, on the field this weekend. But because we're in the playoffs, obviously, and we're going for the Super Bowl, AFC Championship game, there's definitely going to be uh, an all-out effort to get him through this, get him back on the field for this game. So I would not be surprised if he's ready to so go. He's not a shot. I would not be surprised if he's ready to go. Right. It's, gonna, it's literally going to be a day-by-day -day thing, see where he's at as far as his return to play. And it's probably going to be like one of these game time decisions. Unfortunately, this is one of the true times where it's probably going to come down to game day. Um, that doesn't sit well with the, you know, the betters and the cookies of Vegas because I'm sure that 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 line is going to be changing drastically up until game time. So I wouldn't place your bets until right about the kickoff there. But um, it, it we'll have to see. 
So you saying it's gonna be a game time decision? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I personally I don't think they have a shot against Buffalo without him. I don't care about this uh hashtag anything can so, happen. So you no, know, no, one no, thing no. that I think this will be really interesting to see with is you know, everyone talks about how uh the, uh, the offensive coordinator, Ben the enemy, has been passed up for multiple head coaching positions, but you know what you never really hear about in the reports on him is whether or not he's actually a interested in being a head coach, whether he's comfortable where he's at and he just doesn't want to interview for these jobs. Perhaps he's waiting for the end of the season to interview and wants to get to the playoffs, which is very respectable. Or if a lot of people feel like maybe his success has hindered around the fact that uh, Kansas City's has some pretty damn good quarterbacks the last few years that have made them probably more successful than they would have been otherwise. And maybe they're not attributing all the success to him. Because prior to Mahomes, they had Alex Smith, who did a hell of a job over there, too. So, you know, we'll see what happens and with this backup quarterback, Henny. I don't like their chances with, without Mahomes in there, especially against the Bills. Bills are on the roll right now. Yeah, I mean, well, even with Mahomes there, I think he's going to, I think you're going to see a limited Mahomes anyway. I think even if he does play, he's going to have that in the back of his head. The coach is going to have it in the back. You know, he runs strategically, right? He's not, I wouldn't really call him even a, a Russell Wilson, but he's certainly not a Lamar Jackson or these guys where they actually uh, get running plays called for them, right? He does it in the moment. He does it when he just needs to do it, just to get a first down, to get four or five yards when everybody's covered. You know, he's not a running quarterback per se, but at the same time, if he's limited, you know, it's going to be in his head. And the rush, right? Is he gonna take? Is he gonna flinch a little bit more when there's somebody in his face? It could affect him. We'll see what happens. Uh, Brian, what else you got on tap? Is there anything you want to talk about besides this particularly particular subject? So I got a. Uh, I don't know if you guys are watch a lot of YouTube or look at a lot of these YouTubers nowadays, but in my next episode tomorrow, I talk about one of the craziest injuries I've ever seen on video related to one of these YouTube basketball guys who posts a lot of videos of himself doing one-on-ones. And uh, yeah. so... Is it one of those gross ones? I can't watch those, man. Oh, it's, it's, watch it's pretty impressive. It's not terrible, but it's, it's impressive. And it's... it's Impre- an impressive injury. It's, it's, from my point of view, I guess, maybe for, from your point of view, you probably say you probably don't want to watch it, but it's, it's really a crazy injury because I've never seen anything like it. Uh, I've never seen anything like it occur the way it occurred. And if you listen to the podcast, I'll go into some detail and I'll say, if you're familiar with a lot of these professional comedians, which happened to Tom Segura, who's an awesome comedian, who I, I like to watch his stand-up routines very much. And it's a crazy injury um, that he uh, uh, suffered a couple of weeks ago while playing in a pickup basketball thing on YouTube with a YouTuber and with uh, another famous comedian, Bert Kreischer. So, Check the podcast out because I go into a little bit more detail. We play some video clips. It's a crazy injury from what he was doing. I've never seen anything like it. I just wanted to plug that real quick. Um, awesome. But yeah, I'm excited definitely. about the NFL. You know, hockey just started. Uh, it's been pretty cool so far seeing these teams play back-to-back games against the same team. It's given uh, a little bit of excitement, almost like a playoff-type atmosphere. And there's a lot of good young talent around the NHL right now. Um, a lot of crazy stuff going on, baseball free agency and uh, GMs uh, sending dick pics out. So it's been really interesting, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> there on that front. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't count. It was four years ago. Oh, oh, I, I didn't know that was the number. Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. 
I was wondering if maybe it was the same reporter that Brett Favre uh, was uh, sending. You know, the Mets get you know all this great news, right? They got a new owner. He's aggressive. You know, he wants the team to win. He's throwing money into it. You know, the Mets have a lot of hope. We get Lindor. We get Carrasco. We we get that great reliever May, right? We're like, like this is it, you know? We're finally going to not be the redheaded stepchild to the Yankees this year, and then all of a sudden this comes out. We, you know, get rid of our GM. It's always something, right? It's always got to be something for those damn Yankee fans. And I see you out there, Sal, and everybody else, all you Yankee fans out there, just busting our balls about the New York Mets. And God damn it, we're sick of it. We don't care about 26, 27 championships. We don't care, okay? Because it's going to be sweeter when we win ours the next time. Yeah, blah, 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 Sal. Well, um, uh, NBA is going Wait. strong. What, what are your thoughts? I'm curious what your thoughts are, or any uh, some of your other guests later, or any of the people listening or watching now, what their thoughts are on this whole Harden and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I can't stand it, okay? Don't get me started with basketball. Number one, get rid of the goddamn three-point line. It's ruining the game, you got seven-foot centers that won't touch the floor unless they can shoot threes. Patrick Ewing and guys like David Robinson, these guys wouldn't even play in the NBA right now because they can't shoot a three, okay? It's absolutely ridiculous. James Harden, I just, again, I lost respect for KD when he did it. I certainly lost respect when LeBron James did it. That's when he became the enemy, right? The the, the proverbial villain for everybody out there because he keeps jumping ship, moving from teams. It should not be allowed. You signed a contract, buddy, okay? You can't be picking and choosing the teams that you want to play for just because, you know, you want to play for the Nets because you decided, you know, you don't like the Rockets anymore and it didn't work out with Westbrook and this and that. It's absolutely garbage. You know, I love this is why I love Giannis. Okay. Giannis is one of my favorite NBA players, and he will always be because I respect him. He does not, you know what he doesn't even do? People call him, other superstars call this guy to just work out with them in the offseason. And he says no. He says, absolutely not. You want to know why? Because I don't want to be friends with you because you play for the enemy. You play for another team. I'll be cool with you. We'll be cordial. Maybe when my career's over, we'll be friends. But I'm not working out with other guys. I'm not joining other teams of other guys. The, he, you know, this guy came from nothing. And the, the Milwaukee Bucks gave him an opportunity of his lifetime. And he reciprocated, right? He said, I'm not leaving you guys. I'm going to stay with you guys. He could go to any team he wanted to, just like KD and LeBron and all these guys. But he doesn't, right? Yeah. And that's why everybody loves Michael Jordan. He was homegrown. Well, even though, of all guys, sorry, Brian, but of all guys that should have left the organization, you watched The Last Dance. The, the issues that he had with Kraus, his whole career, he hated the guy. They hated each other, but he didn't even think of leaving. Yeah. Not even once. Only to play baseball when his father died. Said there's some conspiracy theories about it. he was going to get suspended and all this and that. <laughs> But that's why Michael Jordan will always be the best ever because he had the most talent. Yeah, LeBron's up there with his accomplishments, but he doesn't have the respect. And LeBron has the balls to come out last year after he wins in a bubble and says, put some respect on my name. Stay on a team for more than three years and win a championship and we'll put respect on your name. And, and, and I think that 
that is why I respect uh, Steph Curry so much too, because he's been super successful and he's a superstar on a, a team that um, prior to and even after KD uh, had some good players that they kind of placed around them, but nobody to the superstar quality of like a LeBron and Davis or a Harden, KD and Kyrie, or, you know, name a few other teams. But <clears throat> so I respect uh, Curry for that, that much more. Now, you know, you and I are a little bit old school probably, and this is probably a generational thing, hopefully, that the NBA is going through. And hopefully once these guys are all out of the league, this will stop. Because I feel like it's really just this crop. It's starting to stop. It's yeah, starting to stop. I mean, I know this happened with Harden. Yeah, because, uh, and by the way, one of my favorite, oh, did you see his line? I just saw his line from the other night. Uh, Luka Doncic, man. Yeah. 36 points, 14 rebounds, and f- like 15 steals or something like that. Or 15 assists. That's what it is. I mean, the triple-double, the numbers. This guy's like, and, and he's deceivingly big, dude. He's like yeah. almost Magic Johnson size yeah, here. He's, a, he's, a, he's, he's legit, man. I, I love the kid. I think he's fantastic. Those are the guys I want to see in the NBA. I love Steph Curry, but again, he's a guy that depends on the three-point line a little bit too much in my book. You know, take, you know, get some, get down and dirty, man. Get the post. Well, that's not, yeah, but he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a guard I know that, but Gordon wears a guard too. I just mean in general, the NBA's got to get back to stop calling these ticky tack fouls, these flagrant yeah. fouls. Listen, not everybody should be playing basketball. Can't handle it, man. You got to be tough. <laughs> this is so you good. know what's cool? Seeing Manu Bowl's son. Have you seen Manu Bowl's son? He's a baller, man. He's, he's, he's pretty good. He's, he's pretty yeah. good. Better than his dad already, I'll tell you that. All right, Brian, I'm up against it, man. I got to let you go. Anything before I let you go real quick? Now, just check out the podcast. We're releasing a new episode uh, tomorrow. If you guys have any questions or want to hear any additional information or have any topics that you want me to cover, check out the website. Shoot me a message, www.theinjuredlist.com. Um, trying to get some more content going for the next couple episodes here, so stay tuned and stick with us and take a listen. Real quick before you go, I gotta get your prediction, uh, and I don't mean football. Biggest fight of the year, Conor McGregor's coming back on Saturday against Dustin Poirier. I, I don't know yeah. much about Poirier, but from everything I've heard and read uh, about McGregor, it sounds like he got pretty refocused, took some time away from the spotlight a little bit, away from the media, which is always a good thing, I think. Sounds like he's uh, really focused and had a great training leading up to this fight. And from what did he, I think he handled him pretty easily the first time around, right? They fought before. Yeah, I mean, they had, it was a decent scrap in the first round, but McGregor knocked him out. But that was at 145 pounds. This is at 155. And Poirier is a different fighter yeah. than he was. Both guys were very young. Uh, interesting, though, McGregor just got um, brought up for a lawsuit from 2018, multi-million dollar lawsuit. So I don't know if that's going to distract him or not. But I tell you, it's hard. It's easy to get unfocused on fighting when you're uh, when you got a hundred million dollars in uh, the hugest whiskey brand in the world. Well, so you know, it's it's funny how sometimes these things come out right before a big fight, right before a big payday. Right? Yeah. You gotta wonder That's how funny. much truth there is to it. You gotta wonder if maybe that had something to do with his training regimen leading up to it. Maybe he tried to stay on spotlight, knowing this is going to become an issue. Who knows? But these guys, once they get in the ring, they get focused. It's not going to affect anybody. All right, man. I'll see you next time. Everybody check out the Injured List podcast wherever you get your podcast. Brian Scott, I'll talk to you later. Take care.
You're listening to the Injured List Podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com.